Got two niggas spoiling movies. Yeah. Brand new columns. That's me. And just in brown for your moving needs. Media popcorn. Woo! You haven't seen it? Well, we're gonna spoil it. Spoil it in your face. That's your warning. Uh. So if you get pissed, it's all your fault. Uh. All that I needed was you in my life. It's so right. All that I wanted was you. You Brent. got the right stuff, baby. <laughs> Don't know any other words. The right stuff. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? This is Justin Brown, and this is uh... come on, Collins. Brown. This is weird. Why are you doing the intro? Because I'm. I, I kicked it off, nigga. I kicked it off. Why you call me a nigga it... from the beginning? Like, why? Why can't we just be cordial? Because it's 2024, and I'm calling people now. <laughs> he was so angry. What's happening? Did you have a good New Year's? What's going on, Justin? Oh uh, no, it, it was all right. It was all right. I, I ain't got nothing to complain about. I mean, I do have lots of things to complain about, but I ain't got gonna complain. Um, but guys, uh, this is medium popcorn and spoiling movies. That's right, that's we right. out here. We're about to spoil a movie, and if you haven't seen it, how dare you? Because we are jumping into the 2023 film American Fiction, starring the wonderful Jeffrey Wright. That's right, Jeffrey Wright, who is one of the most underrated actors of his generation. Mm-hmm. Fucking phenomenal in everything he does. He's always committed. Um, and then he is complimented with a fucking stellar cast. Tracy yes. Ellis Ross, Sterling K. Mm-hmm. Brown, uh, Issa Rae. Yep. Um, even Adam Brody had a solid role in this. The mom, what, what was her name? Uh, Leslie uh, Ugams. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Queen. But and John Ortiz, as the agent, made yeah. some of the darkest dialogue work. Yeah. Because he was saying some foul shit. Like, when he, he made the joke, when he made the reference about shooting yourself, he's like, oh, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> I was like, yo. <laughs> but he made that joke work. It was hilarious. Well, I, I mean, like, but, you know, people do that. Yes, and, all and the time. They don't yeah. know how to handle guys I, like, oh. I will say, in my experience thus far, with Hollywood mm-hmm. niggas or, like, big-time niggas, very similar vibes, especially as a black creative. Right, because you find yourself having to explain. It's it's very complicated. Like when you try to be true to yourself as a black creative, and you don't fit a specific mold. But well, the the expected mold. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing also I loved about this movie is the trailers. If you watch the trailers for this Cora Jefferson film, they kind of honey dicked you because they make mm. you think that it's going to be about him writing this book from a very ignorant black perspective, where he capitalizes on like. Uh, hood expectations and stereotypes and things like that and that he's dealing with the grief of that and like it's going to come out that he wrote this book and it's going to ruin his career but no it's very much not like that it's actually very much focused on his family and him learning to cope with being a complicated person and not not blaming other people for Thelonious Monk uh, Ellison who's Jeffrey Wright's character First of all, that name is wild. It's a Go wild on. name. But he kind of scared me, Justin. Because he, remi- you, you? 
He reminded me of me if I didn't have Tati, honestly. Mm. Like that whole exchange with Erica Alexander, shout out to her. She did a phenomenal job as well mm. as uh, as Coraline. Um, I, also, Maxine from Living Single. Of course, of course. Classic. But I felt, yeah, I very much felt like, especially given like di- family dynamics and things, obviously I don't have two siblings the way he does. But, you know, I have my grandfather who's in assistant living. It's not the best because of money. Of course, it's always about money. Obviously, he's able to make that work because he sells this book, yeah. right? Um, but there's a specific loneliness to to Monk that leads to bitterness that I've always been fearful of myself going. Mm-hmm. I've always been worried of going down that self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, people just don't get... Like, you know, it's both like, it's almost like big ego, low self-esteem. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how Monk carries himself. You know, when he's going yeah. toe-to-toe with like when the other professors at the school, when he gets dismissed oh, and, and he's just roasting them, but like he ultimately gets suspended, right? He gets yeah. put on leave. And it's like, it's just ironic because he is very smart. He knows what he's talking about. He sometimes goes about the wrong way in a way that's not exactly palatable to people, particularly white people. But Mm. um, when he finds himself compromising himself to create this book that he ultimately says he wants to call fuck, um, he realizes that he 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 can be multiple things. He doesn't have to just be this one thing that he thinks that put himself in this one box because that closes people off to him. And that's what Sterling yeah. K. Brown, that beautiful scene after the wedding on the beach where he's like, you know, dad had a lot of secrets and you, you close yourself off and you know, a lot of people love you, let them love you, all of you. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that is, like that's yourself. Yeah. Like man. if you're a mess, be a mess. It's okay. We're yeah. going to love you. For this. Shout out to Sterling K. Brown, man. One of the best mm-hmm. actors of the, he is one of the best actors of his generation. Like I know I just said that about Jeffrey Wright, but Every dude, I remember I saw him on the People versus OJ. I had no idea who this guy was. This is before This Is Us. No idea who this man was. He was so fucking good. And I never do this. I tweeted at him. I was like, dude, I don't know who you are, where you came from, but you were a one hell of an actor. And he actually responded. And since then, he did that role in Black Panther, which I still think is one of the best. It's one of the most emotionally powerful moments between a black father and son because it really does speak to the abandonment that a lot of black men feel, particularly mm. with their fathers. Yeah. And I, I still have yet to see a scene in the past 10 years that represents that pain, right? Um, this is us, phenomenal. You never watched that show, though, right? I watched a little bit of it. I, I didn't really He was get, always get, fantastic. I heard it's really He's yeah, always. It's a tearjerker, though. It's one of the few shows that made me fucking cry like a little bitch. But... um. It's okay. We're going to show emotion in 2024. That's my new theme. <laughs> um, but he's so fucking good, and he's so nice. Every time I've interviewed him, incredibly charming. Everyone who works with him says he's um, incredible to work with. Really nice guy. I really hope he squeaks in the best actor um, categories and awards over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. As I thought him as uh, Cliff, who's going through his own shit, incredibly yeah. complicated, while he's shredded, by the way. Um, oh, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. Uh, yeah, he's he's more cut than Julian Seven. <laughs> but man, when when he's dancing with the mom who's in the system living, and you think it seems like it's this really sweet, heartwarming moment, and she's like, "I knew you weren't." Uh, I always knew you were a queen. 
No, I always knew you were a queer or something, right? No, queen. She says a queen. Oh, okay. And then he and then he walks out. Uh, you know, no, because there's a reason. So, it, it shows you why he's estranged. Because you're kind of like, why yeah. is he so far away? Like, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross's character, she complains about her brothers not being there as her mom's getting sicker and sicker. And then you slowly find out why there's such a separation. In her. Well, yeah. Well, so yeah. Uh, to talk about uh, Sterling K. Brown's uh, character a, a little bit, uh, he was married. Um, and then his wife caught him in bed with uh, with another man. Mm-hmm. And then basically, I believe his, he had children and they don't uh, speak to him uh, a- anymore. And basically, he just he's now kind of trying to live, you know, his his life as, you know, his as authentic an life. Out, yeah. yeah, authentic life, open out gay man, um, which is, you know, I think hard for him because he's been uh, repressed for so long. Yep. And now he's at the point where he's just like, well, I'm just going to do me. You know, he's doing the coke. He was a doctor. Yeah. Do you, you know, think he's he cocaine. he's a plastic surgeon? Do you think he did cocaine yeah. before all this happened? Uh, probably so. That's what I was thinking too. I was thinking he's 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 dabbled in this this uh, book of sugar for a while. Well, but but that's the thing is because he's probably part partying and doing his thing and, and and whatnot, and he's dealing with the fact is like he can't fully be himself. And then that's mm. for a lot of people from from the a lot of people that I have come in contact with who are like heavy heavy in the drugs is like they feel like there's a part of himself that they can't uh, show, and then the drugs is is a mis, is a is an escape uh, from their reality um, that they're dealing with on a daily basis. You know, obviously that's not the same for everyone, but like for this character, that was definitely kind of part of it. Absolutely, and then also remember he has that the same scene on the the beach after the wedding at the house, um, the beach house, and he's like, you know, Dad never knew that I was gay. Maybe he suspected, yeah. but I never got to tell him. And then Monk is like, well, what if he would have you know rejected you? And he's like, at least he would have known the the whole me. Yeah, and that makes me profoundly sad. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this movie got bars. Yeah, this movie got bars. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like I said, like the the trailers make you think it's all focused on Monk, who's trying to write this one novel. There's no interest really from his publisher. Uh, he's not really he his his career's in the tank. He just did this writer summit where like it was poorly attended, especially compared to you know uh, Issa Rae's character Sinatra Golden. And her fucking, she's incredibly educated, but then she writes this, like, we's good in the hood or some shit. Or yeah, we's so live in the yeah. ghetto. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was hilarious when she's, like, speaking so, you know, by the way, Issa Rae, man, her fucking smile. There's always a moment where I'm like, man, is Issa Rae bad? And then she smiles, and I'm like, yep. Yep, she You is. know, this is the thing with Issa Rae. It, it's not the smile for me. Okay. She just has fucking flawless skin. Okay. Skin I was thinking that just, too. She uh, has some uh, really smooth ass cocoa butter skin, right? Like, like Brandon, like she, she reminds me of someone very specific and like, it, it's the skin. I'm just like, oh, she reminds me of my ex from college a little bit. Mm. You remember uh, the Asian girlfriend, right? Were no. you around during that? No. Oh. Oh. No. Okay. No. Well, uh, <laughs> keep moving I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why you're trying to go down memory lane. I don't know either. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's gonna lead to sadness. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll end up like Monk at the end of this movie if he didn't have Sterling K. Brown there now to to help him out. 
Because I did love that authentic ending where it's like, you know, you have the fake outs with the different scenarios, like how yeah. maybe he revealed himself and stuff. And then he's like, oh, well, the real Coraline, like she doesn't answer my she doesn't answer my calls. So it's like they didn't end up together. You know, I thought that was that was honest because yeah. he does give her a lot of shit for no reason. But that's because yeah. he has a lot of tension and stuff building inside of him. And it's so weird because she says she's a fan of his re- his writing. So it's like, dude, just tell her that you she liked your shit before. She likes your new shit. She just likes your voice. Just tell her that that's you. What's yeah. the? You no know one's gonna. You're not going to jail, like, because no one. It's not like anyone did a background check on this nigga. He's saying he's a he's an escape. Uh, he's a, a run on the run from the FBI and shit and all this stuff. And it's like, but bro, if it's revealed that you're not, like, other people have been revealed to do worse shit and lie about I mean, worse shit. People- People write under pseudonyms all the time. Exactly. I'm so, like, it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, did he create a narrative around the pseudonym that he that he created, this character, you know, this uh, writer? Yes, and that could be uh, seen as problematic. But at the same time, it, it's like people are, it's really just about the book. But the thing is, people would be like, well, he's a fraud because all that stuff isn't real. That's not really him. Well, how's he speaking to this experience? And yet, yeah, yeah, it's just like, yeah. well, if you look at our industry, uh, music, rap, that, that, nobody is living. I was thinking about that. Those lives anymore. I was thinking about that exact thing, bro. I was like, art is always, is always full of bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it is fiction. It's not like he's like, well, he did say this is autobiographical. That was the thing with the book, Fuck. Oh, like, this yeah, is my yeah. life, right? Which is, whatever, man. It's like performance art. Andy Kaufman did this shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They can even say he had an episode and just happened to write a book during that moment. Like, maybe he yeah. has a split personality. You never fucking know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, it, it's... um. It's 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 not a weird thing because like you know again there's Stephen King he wrote under a you know you know uh, another name because he wanted to just kind of just see what you know what's the fucking like are do people really well that's the thing I feel like a lot more people would do it if they could yeah I don't think you can necessarily do it that well these days because of how dialed and everybody is with everything yeah. but like I think that he wanted to see if people really fuck with him or, or, uh, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or is it, is just a hype that's built around him? Like, like would like, like do, do people even care about my writing? Like, am I really all that good? Or are people just caught up in the hype that like, I'm talking about, I'm talking to Stephen King, you know what I'm saying? When he did it. Mm. So like, and I think this one is, is obviously done. Uh, it comes from a different place. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's why people do that. Yeah, I get it. But he's also, I think that's the interesting thing about it's that um, Monk has a lot to, to reconcile. Yeah. Both with himself and his family. Um, and he, he's one of those people. And I've, I found myself to be um, like this as well. And I've worked for a lot over the past few years with therapy and stuff to not do this, but he's very judgmental. He's very mm. much like, I'm going to judge your shit and not really reflect on what I'm doing and the fucked up yeah. shit I do to to myself, to other people. You know, because he's constantly giving his brother shit about his drug habit, about 
you know, not contributing towards the mom's health care and stuff like that. I mean, even though it seemed like Sterling K. Brown wasn't starving, he lived in a big ass house and was doing yeah. cocaine constantly. <laughs> yeah, and he has little boy toys uh, out there. Yeah, plastic surgery, plastic surgeons, they make some money. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, make they them, do. Unless but you're fucking people up, making them look no. like the goddamn <laughs> clay make, face, <laughs> make it look like Mickey Rourke. Um, but at the same time, he lost a lot of money on the divorce. Yes. She took a lot. She took almost everything. Yeah. So he's kind of rebuilding. Yeah. Somebody, but, you know, he's still making money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was, was also interesting about the family dynamic is that because of their father, who I'm my understanding through the dialogue and everything like that. Just not a good guy. Just not a good person, right? Had a lot of issues, had some affairs, um, which is messy, right? And so I think... Well, so hold on, step back into that. Just like, yeah. so you find out that, you know, his father ultimately killed himself. Yeah. He killed himself in that house. Um, that his mom and, still lives in and stuff with uh, yes. their, their home help. Well, no, slash the mom friend. doesn't live there. The mom doesn't live there. That seems to be like a second house of theirs. So they go because they that house was pretty much abandoned. Is that the beach house? Yes. I thought he killed himself at their house. No, in, in the, the beach city. house. Oh, okay. No, he killed himself at the beach house. Got it. Okay. Um. So with that, and like she's like, you know, uh, Jeffrey Wright's character asks, uh, sorry, um, Monk. He asks his mom, "Is like, why did you know you knew about his affairs? Why didn't you leave him?" He's like, because. You know, he just he would just been more uh, lonely. Mm-hmm. So she knew that he was dealing with he had some mental issues and things like that he was dealing with, which obviously ultimately uh, led to him uh, taking his own life. Um, but, um, you know, so like he, he was a very. Um, he, 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 that that character. I wish we had more of that. I wish we got something of that character, mm. or we got a little bit more information about it. Because I feel like uh, through knowing that character, we could have understood some of these other characters a little bit better, and what they, you know, where they went, stuff like that. But I think what we did, uh, what we did get was we were learning about that character through Monk, because everyone's like, you're very much like that. And he's he's like you he's like because he was a very intelligent person, but I think the thing was he was dealing with um, he was dealing with things, but he dealt with it by acting out because he didn't. He's like he's he was a genius, like the mom said. He's like he's a genius, like you're a genius, just like him. Is like is like you guys are very similar, and I think in that way it's just like he didn't understand how to. He didn't outwardly express uh, to to the people around the people love you and confide in people, which led to him going probably acting out the way that he did and ultimately okay. uh, ending the way that he did. Yeah, I mean, family's messy as fuck, bro. Family will fuck you up. Family will mm-hmm. fuck you up. I mean, and also Tracy Ellis Ross, she dies. Yeah, she did dies. not see that coming. 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, I mean, I went into this movie knowing nothing. I just yes, saw the, the the poster. I'd seen the trailer. Um, I knew Core Jefferson wrote that phenomenal episode of Watchmen, uh, the black and white episode about the black mm-hmm. soldier that becomes the superhero. Um, and he also wrote A Good Place. I've heard mixed things about him as a co-writer, you know, as a writer, a fellow writer in a room. But that's, that's one person's perspective. Um, 
And so I was really interested in this movie. Mind you, I did see it with an all-white audience at my screening, which I'll talk about maybe in a little bit. But I was, I was like, oh, shit, Tracy Ellis Ross is in this. And then when she abruptly, they're like having, they're having like afternoon drinks or some shit, and then she just collapses, and then she dies. I was like, fuck. Because they just talked about how she's the one kind of keeping everything together with the mom. And Mucky's yeah. making excuses like, oh, I got to go back and work on my book, and then you know, the college is going to take me back soon. And then Sterling K. Brown's character, we don't meet him until about 30 minutes in. Yeah. So you already he get an idea. like a hurricane. Yeah. Well, no, it's very quiet the moment that he shows up because it's at the beach when they're spreading her ashes. Yeah, but then after that, he's off to the race. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're on <laughs> cloud nine doing cocaine and everything. But I thought that she was incredibly impactful in the time that she had yeah. on screen. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross just looks, God, fucking beautiful. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave you enough of, like, the family dynamic. I would have loved to see the three of them in a scene together, like the siblings. Yeah. But... That's the thing is sometimes you get robbed of those moments. And I think that also goes into the feeling of regret in this family where Stoic K. Brown also has to reconcile the fact that he never got to say goodbye to his sister and he never had got a moment with her like he should have, you know, the way that Monk did. Obviously, it was a challenging moment, but at least Monk got to see her before she passed. Yeah. I was like, this, this shit's yeah. real, man. I mean, I don't have sibling. Well, I do now. I have, I have a sister. But um, it's just, you know, it's... It rocks you, man. If you got family dynamics and your family's a little messy, which every family's messy, don't deny mm-hmm. that shit. Um, I really love that. I think a lot of people, they've been shook by it because it's not what it seems from the trailer. And I think you're thinking, oh, I'm going to see almost like the black producers where he ironically put this thing together and now it's going to fall apart and ruin his life. And it's like, no. At the end of the day, he doesn't even need to say it's him. Yeah, he can just keep collecting those checks, and it is what it is. You really well, can. I mean, so that's the one. So th- there's two things that I kind of wish, um, you know, we got more of or less of. So f- number one, uh, when he first started writing the book, we had uh, Keith David, um, you yeah. know, in the film, and I, I can't scene with a young yeah, actor, yeah, I can't remember the the other guy who's a young actor. I don't know his name, by his name but they were kind of acting out those characters. And I kind of wish that we got to see those characters come back. Like, mm. you know, like somebody do readings and things like that. And yeah. then we see those characters come back again. So like that was a really, that was a different and fun kind of dynamic. And then actually that character speaking to him and all that kind of stuff. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. I kind of wish we saw, saw a little bit more of that, even though I understand why you don't get more of it because it the book the writing of the book wasn't a long drawn out process. It was like it was done. He he handed it to his publisher. He's like, hey, this is what I got. But again, I would have liked to see more than that because for one, I love Keith David. You know, he's always writing it, everything he does. That fucking voice <laughs> alone, and uh, that was just a real. That was a different kind of fun scene. Um, it also got and, to see some amongst creative process. If that's how yeah, he writes yes. other books where he's like acting out and he's interacting with the characters and trying to stay mm-hmm. authentic to them. Um, but again, we, we don't quite know, but if that was a hint of his creative process, that was also interesting. Yeah. Uh, then the other part is I wasn't a super big fan of the ending with the, like with the different scenarios like, and everything. Yeah. The different scenarios. I understood why. And like, I'm not a hundred percent mad at it, but I wish we would have got some sort of finality, 
you know, with, uh, you know, the ending of the film, even though like, yes, we kind of got it, but mm. it's like, you know, it was told to us, but it's like, I'd rather see it, you know? I get it. I get it. Um, I mean, it's possible also that that was like in footage that they shot, um, Cord Jefferson at that screening, he, uh, he actually did a Q and a, um, mm. I would say he probably should do fewer of those and just leave it to Jeffrey Wright and Cyril K. Brown to take the lead. But um, mm-hmm. he talked about how, like, the studio did push him to try to cut, cut some stuff. Like, they wanted to cut the the wedding. And he said, that it, was, he said it was really important for Monk to, uh, to see that love between yeah. um, the woman who's helped his mom out and was kind of like the housekeeper and the local sheriff at the beach house. Like, they immediately yep. have a vibe. I guess they maybe had a history. Then they get together, and then over the course of the movie, we see their romance blossom. He proposes. They end up getting married at the family house, beach house and stuff. And that's actually a sweet moment, too, where she is, like, their second mom, it seems, and she accepts uh, Sterling K. Brown's character, where his yeah. mom had previously rejected him. Um, well, and that's the only acceptance that he's gotten from uh, matriarchal or patriarchal um yeah you know, figure, you know, in his family. And even though, yeah, she's not family, but she is family. You spend that much time, your family. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, man, this movie, this movie hit me on a lot of different angles. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, damn, American bitch, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, this is number three on my list for 2023. 2023. Yeah. Top films. Um, I think Jeffrey Wright is just a steady anchor who, this is, it's it's so unfortunate that he gets such few leading roles. I yeah. think this might be his first real leading role in a feature. Yeah, because he's always a, a secondary, actor. yeah, supporting actor or just like a bit actor yeah. somewhere pops up and you know he's he's gone. Yeah, and it's, I mean, other than if what if <laughs> the Disney? Oh movie. yeah, true, true. Yeah, even then, he's not the lead; he's the narrator, but he's not. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, but at least he gives some Marvel money. True. Very true. You know, but it it made me like I was very happy that a lot of these black actors got like a lot of, a great opportunity to showcase their talent, um, both from an acting standpoint, directing standpoint, writing standpoint. And but it also made me incredibly sad because then in order to get movies like this made, you have to deal with producers like the Adam Brody character, who mm-hmm. I've met a lot of guys like that. Yeah. Um, I did laugh really hard though when Monk is looking. He's he's he, listening out for ambulance in case his mom, who's like, um, you know, mental situation is getting worse and worse by the day. If anything happens with her, while he's having this meeting with this film exec, um, and then he hears a siren and it's like, I gotta go. Mind you, this dude thinks he's on the run from the FBI. So yeah. when he hears the sirens, I was like, this nigga's gonna think that he's <laughs> he's mm-hmm. on red alert because of the <laughs> the government trying to get him. And I just laughed so hard. He's like, yeah, they loved you, man. He's like, you're so authentic. You ran yeah. out before you even ate. Oh, God. You know, Have you ever been uh, in the situation where um, somebody just misconstrued exact, everything about you, who you are, and made just like that jump decision of just like, oh, you're probably this struggling black man from a hard background, <laughs> stuff like that, or, you know, or w- whatever. And I, I think, you know, as a black male, especially mm. uh, any any of us, you know, at some po- point, somebody makes just this snap judgment of who they think, who they see you as in their head without even fucking knowing you. Right. Yeah. 
And um, like, there's been a, a few situations in my acting career where somebody said something just like, yeah, whatever. And, and it's like, it gets to a point where you don't even want to correct them anymore. You're just like, whatever. I like, I don't have time for this. You know, at mm. this point, like, I don't want to explain myself. And like, have you dealt with that a lot? Not, I would say not in the, not in the past like few years, but when I was growing yeah. up, I dealt with it a lot in Michigan. Mm, I dealt yeah. with a lot in Ann Arbor just because, um, you know, we weren't like the upper class or anything like that, but like I did okay. Like I, you know, I didn't have the best things, but I was, you know, I had decent stuff. I had a decent living and stuff like that. Like I wasn't dirt poor or anything like that. But mm. a lot of these white families would definitely be like, what's your story? And are you here on Scott? Like I was going to public school, but then there'd be things I would do and they'd be like, oh, like, um, like, for instance, like clubs and stuff like that, or they would be surprised that I was able to get tutoring. They're like, oh, you can afford tutoring. Um, there was this one woman who was like the biggest bitch. Um, she was her, her son. I did Boy Scouts with him and I was rowing crew and she always gave me the vibe that I didn't deserve to be there. Lovely. Lovely. And mind you, she was one of the owners. She was one of the owners. I guess she helped, like, was one of the people that funded this, you know, the equipment and stuff like that. And she always, always, everything, like, whether it was scouts or crew, made me feel like I didn't deserve to be there. And that's why, in my shark script, I kill her in the most vicious way. Um, <laughs> kept the name and everything. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that definitely, that's some stuff that I dealt with growing up. And so... But for me, that's, um, unfortunately, that was just the environment I was in. And, you know, with that woman particularly, she had a lot of power in in Ann Arbor, or at least, like, yeah. in the things that I was involved in. And so that's where I really learned about power dynamic and how you, you, have to kind you of reflect on this and you just, you just think, okay, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm in a position where I don't need to be around you anymore. Yeah. Like that's the that's the least I can do to protect myself. Um but yeah, that that's that's the stuff that comes to mind immediately when I think about that. Okay. Yeah, because I, I I've I've been in uh, spaces and like people you know, I mean, but also, you know, especially when we were, you know, starting out and things like that, you know, I I, I wouldn't necessarily think that I looked like I came from, you know, tougher means or, 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 or things like that. But I could see how somebody could jump to that, uh, to, could mean, jump to that. You know why? You know why, Justin? Cause you black. Why? You black. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. But like, I, I just feel like there were a lot of times where people thought that like I was just, you and, know, Going. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because I think that they didn't really they didn't touch on it at all in American Fiction, but Sterling K. Brown's a dark skinned man, Jeffrey Wright's light skinned. And you know, you and I have the same, you know, same parallel, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting because I think because I'm I'm lighter and because, you know, we and I tease myself about it, like growing up I would wear like khakis and like po I would look very preppy. And she, mm. so I think I got less assumptions of the stereotype because of the way I carry myself and the way I just behaved because I'm surrounded by white people. So like I naturally yeah. adopted like certain mannerisms and behaviors and shit. And so I think because of that, that's why I didn't get as much exposure to mm. that. 
as I bet. I think sometimes when I came, especially when I came to New York and went to St. John's, it was kind of the reverse. Yeah. It was like people think I'm so fucking corny and white. And it's like, no, I'm just Brandon. Like I like black shit. Like I'm, I'm just me. Like it's hard to put, fit me into what you stereotypically think is a black man, whether it's, you know, being ignorant or you think it's supposed to be like the strong masculine dude that like, you know what I mean? It's, I never fit into those, expectations yeah, so the, the, the archetype i used to get it all from both sides at some point mm. yeah it, 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 it's just it, it's but colorism it, fits into it too we'd yeah. be remiss not to mention that 100 percent. but uh you know going uh, back to the uh, film i just i think what they did a great job at really exploring because like yeah the movie is about the book and you know all of that but it's really about how the family dynamic and um, how Jeffrey Wright's character not feeling 100% fulfilled mm. in his craft, yep. fulfilled in his spot in his family, led to the book. Because all of that plays into who he is in his everyday life and in society. And how he, he like, he's like, he, he didn't, at a certain point, he didn't feel like he was being heard anymore. And he felt like his yeah. voice didn't matter, which then led to that book, which then... Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like when the book starts getting accolades and, you know, he gets invited to be part of that critics group where they select like the best book of the year. And ironically, fuck ends up getting like to the top of the, the, the line. I was very much like, I mean, just take the W. No one knows it's you. And I, I get it. It was frustrating for him as like, as a, you know, um, proprietor of like the nicest, the finest kind of literature and having these high expectations and shit. But it's like the people around him were fucking crazy. You know, they let that one blatantly racist writer be part of the group. He had Issa Rae's character on the other end of the spectrum. And I thought it was really interesting, that conversation, because I feel like that could be read a bunch of different ways. For me, I felt that she was kind of salty about fuck because it was in contention for that award. Yeah. And it was meeting, it was, it was hitting the same numbers as her book, but in fact getting more acclaim. And it's probably mm-hmm. because of sexism, like from her perspective, it's because it's a man. And so his book is obviously going to get more uh, clout. Um, but it also felt like a little bit of bitterness because it's on the verge of getting that big award. And because it's essentially like, like Jeffrey Wright tries to say, it's like, we're kind of like, it's the same stories. Like it's the same, like, yeah. kind of like, like this, this is exactly what you do. This weird exploitation of this environment, like these people in this environment. And, you know, we're telling these stories that just fit the stereotypes. And then, she was like, oh, but I spend time with these people and stuff like that. But I'm like, that still doesn't negate his argument, though. Yeah. It was a very interesting conversation because it was one of those things where, like, in a way, no one's wrong, but then they're both wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of leave the conversation because the other white critics come in and stuff like that. They just stop it. But it was very much like this. This happens a lot. And I don't think there's ever, because people feel like, oh, I've been attacked or like, you don't get me. We're not going to revisit this conversation. I would have loved for them to revisit that conversation to like show that this can continue. These kind of conversations can continue. Um, and, and be in a positive uh, space. I, well, I, I don't mean, even think it has to be in a positive space. A, no, no, no. Well, I'm saying like you can actually have, um, you can have a disagreement but but it, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you're a fucking hater or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But you can just literally talk this kind of stuff out because it's important to talk about it because 
both sides are learning f- uh, something from it. And that's and I think that's the thing that we no longer have mm. because you can't talk about anything. There's like clear is like this is a no fly zone. And then if it's a no fly zone, then it's just like you just have uncharted waters that are always just going to be there. And, you know, like, how do you ever connect? Yeah, it was. That conversation was interesting, but also frustrating because I think people of color are particularly hard on themselves and each other. Yep. True. And I think that not reconciling or not coming back together to continue that conversation really is more hurtful than it is productive. Yeah. And that's what kind of, I mean, I maybe I think that was the intention of that scene is to frustrate you a little bit. Um, and I do think there's a lot of things, a lot of elements and dynamics at play there, which I think is a testament to Court Jefferson's writing and the performances he got from Jeffrey Wright at Issa Rae. It just, for me, this felt like a movie that could easily be misinterpreted by white audiences. Mm. Uh, and I, yeah. and it's kind of like, a, what was it? Um, the Will Smith. I, I hate that Like every other episode we bring this shit up. But the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, right? What were black people saying? You don't fight in front of white folk, right? Mm. And I think having that conversation but not having any real resolution to it gives white people the interpretation of hey I can be critical of black things too because they don't even have their own shit figured out you know but I will say seeing this with a predominantly white audience at the one screening I went to Tatiana saw it twice so she had a different experience at the second screening which is predominantly people of color the first audience it felt sometimes like white people didn't realize that they were part of the joke yeah like part of like the satire of like Hey, mm-hmm. this is how y'all see us, but actually y'all the idiots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or y'all the fucking like is like so we feed you bullshit because yeah. y- you love the bullshit because that's the only way we get ahead, unfortunately. Yep. And, or, and you know, and to the point you were making earlier about the fact is like he should have just taken it. I think that speaks to the fact is that Jeffrey Wright's character, Monk, he always gets he's getting in his own way. Mm. Whether it be creatively, you know, personally, you know, uh, professionally, he's always getting in his own way because he's in his head about a lot of these things. Yeah, I mean, that's a creative uh, catch-22, right? It's like you fucking, you you can get in this loop where you're questioning yourself, you have imposter syndrome, you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you deserve praise when you do get it. It's a mind fuck to be a creative in general. Um, I will say the one big egregious thing though, about the white folks that I saw this movie with was that they would say, you know, the white people, particularly Adam Brody's character would say some problematic shit or like, you know, the book publisher, um, things like that. And there would be, especially white women who would be like, I say that, or I've done that. And it's like, that's not a, that's not a proud thing. It just shows that core Jefferson's being honest in how these people are, but you shouldn't, okay. You shouldn't identify. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes. Have that connection, have that connection because that's what, that's what art is, right? You should be connected to something that you're seeing on screen or in a book, what have you. Right. But you also have to do the work to reconcile that the things that you're engaging in and the behavior you're, you're engaging in can be hurtful and harmful. And I think that's what these people were missing is that, yes, this is satire, but this shit really fucks with you as a person of color. Yeah. 
like it's it's like these microaggressions and for me it's a dark reminder that everything the past few years after the George Floyd thing was purely performative. Oh, for sure. No, no deep changes happen. Everything's yeah. performative. The DEI initiatives, all those people at the studios, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all bullshit. And so for me, that was what was frustrating about seeing this with white critics. Is like, I'm like, y'all not, y'all not trying to do the work. You're just trying yeah, to enjoy this a, entertainment. But you're not yeah. seeing what Cord is trying to say about how the entertainment uh, industry treats writers and creatives of color. And that yeah. was frustrating. The fact that they, they went to that festival and they're just like sitting in a closet with like, you know, six other people. You know, when he was on that panel, mm-hmm. you know, you know yeah, I did a panel like, like that in LA. I was like, I've been there. And it's, it's yeah, all, it was a black focused panel. It was a black, uh, all black writers and creatives and all black audience. And it was sparsely attended. It was a yep. good cause, but there was no one there. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's, it's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. And it, 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 it really is because, like, you know, and you you don't realize, because I've gone to a few things, different levels and, and such, which are more geared towards the Black experience and things like that, and there's literally nobody there. Mm. So you're just like, oh. Nobody cares about this. No, like, why am I even here? And it's always moderated or, or like the person heading it is this white person who's just very, just like, it's like, oh, we're going to, we're doing so much right now. Uh, but like, you know, like it, it just seems very, it's very surface level. Mm-hmm. It's very surface level. And then when you start talking about some real shit, it's like, oh, we got another question over here. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, it's cut me off. It's cut me off. But then, the only time where you get the that the real uh, talks, the real um, you know, the real work is done, it's after the thing is over, and that person, maybe one or two people, come up to you and you have that really solid conversation. It's just like that's why it was worth it. That's why I came into this room, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Realest thing ever, mm-hmm. you ever said. Uh, UV in the chat asks, do you think this movie will get any Oscar noms? I do. I don't think it's going to win anything, um, mm-hmm. which is yeah. hilarious because a few weeks ago, Hollywood Reporter had this movie at the top of the list in regards to potential winners. Best Picture had American Fiction up number one. Um, best ad- Adapted Screenplay had Cord Jefferson number one. Had Cord Jefferson in the running for Best Director. And since then, this shit has dropped down a few spots for Best Picture. It's going to get nominated, but it's not no longer the front runner. All in all those spots, it's slowly been dropping. I think that's because more people are seeing it, and hopefully waking up to coming to the turn to the realization that oh, this is actually it's talking about how I'm a piece of shit, <laughs> um, particularly in the entertainment industry. But I think it's also, if I'm being honest, it's too black. Mm-hmm. It's presented with a. Palatable is presented through a palatable uh, story, an accessible story for white audiences. But I think once you get into it, you're just like spending two hours with this black family trying to figure some shit out. Yeah, yeah. And also dealing with identity crisis that you probably can't identify with because you don't know what it's like to struggle with that. Yep. And balance that. Code switching's a motherfucker, man. Yeah. Because you know, again, you know. Imposter syndrome. This is like talk about imposter syndrome. Try having the code switch all the time, mm-hmm. and at some point, who the fuck are you? Yep. It's mm. it's crazy, man. I mean, 
And then you do all this work, and then you, at the end of the day, you don't want to be regretful and think, was it worth it? Or, you know, in the case of Monk and his brother, there's an opportunity there, especially if Monk hadn't had um, a, a Coraline there for a little bit to help, like, him bring him up a little bit, where he would have gone the same fate as his father. Yeah, because you get so caught in despair between your career, between your love life or lack thereof, and then you ultimately you're seeing your mom lose her mind. She can't take care of herself, right? Um, you just lost your sister, who was kind of the rock at this point. What what is what's what's the point? Yeah, I've worked so hard to be as great as I can be to do work that I think is authentically me and means the world to me and that I deeply am passionate about and no one gives a fuck. And for anyone listening to this that feels that way, who whether it's about creative work or personal life, whoever, if you're spending time sometimes asking why, what's the point, who gives a fuck, who gives a fuck about me, know that someone cares. Yeah. No one's so that someone thinks about you. Like I think that's really important. I don't think we say that enough, um, especially given all the fucked up shit that's happening in the world. Like I yeah. just want to take a moment to like say that. Like someone cares, um, because also we've heard about a lot of comedians that have taken their lives recently, and yeah. life fucking's tough. It's it sucks, especially when you have a creative mind that sometimes you can't shut down, or you feel like you're not getting your just desserts or maybe you got in your own way like Monkhead does a few times. And yeah, that comes with regret that comes with um, wishing, you know, that you could have done things differently, but you have to keep moving forward and keep moving forward knowing that someone cares about you and that you care about yourself. You know, it's, it's you know, and just to, you know, to touch on the thing, like, you know, we had a gentleman, um, uh, Kenny, uh, the comedian that uh, passed away recently and yeah, I I didn't know him, and I'm not gonna you know you know pretend like I did know the guy things like that. But one Rest of the things that the forest, by the way, yeah. that's what you're referring to. Yes, uh, everything that um the one thing that I learned uh, through that is that regardless of the fact that I didn't know who he was, you know, in life, seeing that people the way that people reacted uh, to his mm-hmm. death. And the way that people spoke about him, that's all you want. Yeah. Because everybody's talked about that, like he was a really solid uh, guy and they enjoyed their time around him and things like that. That is, you know, it's some money, you know, there, there's so many ways to look at it, but the way I look at it, like that's a fulfilled life. Like you've made connections like that uh, with people. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't know that they've made those connections and they, and and that people care about them that much until you know until it's too late and you know like but that i hope that people see like you know in cases like that is just like oh you may not realize but there are people who really really fuck with you and really really care about you and that's mm-hmm. a powerful thing that's a super powerful thing you know so you know and, and to to your point it's just you know People really need to realize that, like, you do have a community. You just sometimes you can't see it, but it's there for you. And, you know, you have to embrace the life of the life that you have. Yeah. Live the life you got. 
Love the one you're with. That's what I was trying to say. I couldn't remember that that lyric. <laughs> um, we did get some Patriot thoughts on American fiction. And folks, remember, you sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash popcorn. You're guaranteed to have your thoughts and uh, reviews of that film that we're covering right on that episode. So first up, we have Sean the Terrible, who wrote, I'm so mad. I can't find a screen for this in the Detroit area. God damn. I mean, he didn't say God damn. He put a rolling eye emoji. But I get what you're trying to say, Sean. Uh, Darren Patterson wrote, absolutely loved it. I knew the movie would have some sharp satire in it. The agent's line about how Hollywood is run on book reports and the Black History Month TV promo was hilarious. But I wasn't expecting the movie to focus mainly on the family and have so much heart and depth to it. Really loved the emotional moments in this film and thought the discussion about black art between Monk and Sinatra was fantastic. I saw an interview with Corey Jefferson where he said that Jeffrey Wright was an actor that everyone agrees is incredible but hasn't been the lead in a movie since Basquiat. Uh, Basquiat. Not bad squat. Uh, here's hoping this movie changes that because he is the heart and soul of this film and absolutely knocks it out of the park. The movie gets an XL, and I'm definitely going to watch it again in the theaters. And I hope that that's true, Darren, but it's also Hollywood, and it's it's crazy. Yep. Uh, Simba Jackson. He's seen uh, very much uh, lower... Uh, Lower tier actors yep. be leading in films like why not this guy? Listen, because with black actors, this could be Jeffrey Wright's first Oscar nom. That doesn't mean it's going to help with his career. Taraji just yep. did a tour for The Color Purple where she thought she insinuated that after she got the Oscar nom for Benjamin Button, that Hollywood people considered it a fluke. Yeah, like oh, that's just you just got lucky there. Like not that you're a talented actress that deserves to get paid more now because she's Oscar mm-hmm. nominated. Um, Simba Jackson wrote, I've only been to Alamo Draft House twice, once for Black Klansmen and the other for American Fiction. Both times, I was the only black person in the theater. The white people around me were just laughing at the black folk. All to be quiet, all to be quiet and somber by movies, and I'm not quite sure what that sentence was supposed to say, but love it when I get to see white people sad about how trash they are. Solid movie. Tracy was wasted. The renaissance of Erica Alexander needs to be spoken about more. The conversation with Jeffrey and Issa could have been have more depth. I read it at large. Okay, fair, fair. Justin, break down our rating system, baby. Stop calling me, baby. So, guys, you know how we do this. We rate movies in bags of popcorn, small, medium, large, and the XL 4D exceptional. If a film doesn't deserve any popcorn, we throw it into the dog shit pile. We pile piles and piles of dog shit on top of it. So, Brandon, we sat down and watched the 2023 film American Fiction, starring Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, Sterling K. Brown, John Ortiz, Erica Alexander, uh, Leslie um, Uggams. Uh, so. That's what I'm going to go with. And Adam Brody. And, also, and of course, the voice, Mr. Keith David. Um, he was in it for two minutes. But I, no, I, he, I, I know you're I a love fan. Keith David. You fan. leave me alone. Brandon, what say you, sir? Yeah, this gets a, this gets an XL. Like I said, it's um, one of my top uh, films of 2023. I thought the performance is phenomenal. The writing, like I said, had bars. Cord Jefferson definitely has... Um, well, he definitely has a career in this industry and I'm looking forward to see what he says next. Cause this is an adaptation of a book. I don't know how closely it follows that book, but I'd be curious to see what he does in an original standpoint, especially given his work on Watchmen um, and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see what his next project is. I'll definitely be there and then just go from there in regards to what I think of his work. And if I will, I'll stay consistently a fan, but for now I am a fan, but the performances are what made this movie, um, 
you know, Jeffrey Wright, phenomenal. Tracy Ellis Ross did great with the time she had. And Sterling K. Brown's just the MVP always. Um, and I really hope this gets some awards love. But if not, I can rest easy know that this is a great piece of work that all these actors will be proud of and they should be proud of. Justin, what about you? Yeah, so I'm going to give this a large as well. I just feel like... Well, I give like, it an XO. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said XO. I'm sorry. I think you said large. Uh, I'm going to give it a large. Uh, I think it, it hit on a, a lot of things that if you're a creative that you, that you feel and um, you know, and, I, and we spoke about, you know, most of it on nausea, you know, episodes. So I'm not going to go through it all again. Uh, but I think that they did a really good job uh, with most of it. And like, yeah, a few little things, you know, that I spoke about earlier, you know, I think that this movie was like, it was one of those things like, this is just what I needed to see uh, mm. right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, especially just, you know, understanding like the someone who like feels like he gets in his own way, you know, at times and, and whatnot. It's, it's definitely a film that if you're a creative, you should, you should check out. Or just, if you just, if you have a family, we all have a family, mm. you, you know, you'll, you'll get something from this yeah. uh, because, you know, the, the family dynamic of this film is really what this film is about. And basically how that family dynamic kind of touches and filters into every aspect of your life. Um, and that's, you know, super important for people to realize. And, um, and I think that's, um, it, it was very well executed in this film. So that's a large for me. All right. Well, you heard our review on American Pitching, folks. As always, you know, you can follow me at Frodo underscore Blackens on threads and Instagram. You can follow the show at Medium P Podcast on all the social media platforms, including TikTok. Be sure to subscribe on there. We post videos and all good stuff over there. And then uh, YouTube.com slash Medium P Podcast. Push that subscribe button so you get alerted about all future reviews like this one and celebrity interviews. And Justin, if you want to support the show financially, what can they do, my brother? As well as follow you on the social medias. Guys, you want to follow me on the socials. Jay Brown did it. Uh, but if you would like to support this show, continue supporting us, you can go over to patreon.com slash medium popcorn. If you're already supporting, tell your friends, they need to go over there as well. But we have $2, $5, and $15 packages. Uh, our entire backlog of the episodes that we've done on this show go right to Patreon. We also have bonus episodes. We have mini episodes. We have so much content over there that uh, if you're really looking to, you know, spend some time with Brandon and Justin uh, and the gang, because, you know, we got you here. We got Tati. You know, we got the force over here. Y'all need to be on Patreon again. One more time: that's patreon.com slash medium popcorn. That's right. Clap your hands, stomp your feet. It's a holiday, y'all. We'll talk to y'all soon. Mm -hmm. Peace. Peace. Medium popcorn. We are two niggas spoiling movies. Yeah. Brandon Collins. That's me. And Justin Brown for your moving needs. Medium popcorn. Woo! You haven't seen it? Well, we're gonna spoil it. Spoil it in your face. That's your warning. Uh. So if you get pisses or you're fun.